0: Well, just a warm welcome again, especially for those that are visiting with us or um, maybe you're in the church for the first time in a while or ever or whatever it may be, good on you. It takes courage to come here and hopefully um, you are experiencing something of God's love in this place this morning. We are in the middle of a series and we are in the middle, hallelujah, some of you may be saying. We are in the middle, so we're past the the tip in terms of like the... Uh, The whole journey, we're right there in the thick of it, and it's onwards and upwards from here, but we're in the middle of this emotionally healthy spirituality journey. Uh, Most of us are meeting mid-week in groups, exploring some of this stuff. But if you are here just for this Sunday, again, a super warm welcome, especially to Luke's parents. who are here to celebrate Luke's birthday and uh, and others of you. It's great that you're here, and I'm sure that um, you won't miss out on anything uh, because you're not part of all the groups. Hopefully, this just is an encouragement to you. Uh, We're going to be talking this morning about what it looks like to journey through the wall. Can I just say as a pastor how proud I am of this church? Um, I get lots of feedback. I get good feedback and I get not so good feedback. uh, And that's fine. But I tell you what, I'm just so proud of the the volume of feedback I'm getting with people who are saying this sucks. (laughs) In a good way. (laughs) Who are like, oh man, I'm having to work through stuff that I needed to work through. And this is deep water, and this is painful. And I'm like, good on you, good on you, because we are not here to just play church games. We are here to allow Jesus to deeply transform our lives. We are here because we wanna invite Jesus into every part of our lives, including our brokenness, including our history, including our family of origin. That's why we are here. And this is not gonna be a, a safe church for you if you want to skim along the surface, because one of our values is depth. We are going to go to deep places because when we allow Jesus into the deep places, He brings life into those deep places and he brings healing. And sometimes it feels like we've picked up a cross and we're dying. It does. But that's what it looks like to walk into resurrection life is that we willingly allow Jesus into those places. And so I am a man, I've been like, This week, uh, I was over in the Gold Coast, which sounds so sweet. Uh, I was helping train church. I was in a conference room in the Gold Coast. It's probably more accurate in terms of the description. It's actually torturous in lots of ways. But I was there helping train other church planters uh, who... Uh, We partnered with an organisation called ARC, which helped us launch this church really well. So I'm, I'm now coaching future church planters, which is awesome. But it was really helpful for me, to be honest, to leave Napier and to leave the Bay and to leave New Zealand to just get a fresh perspective. And I really have been praying this week about our church and what God is doing and what he wants to do. And I've come back with a fire in my bones, not because of anything I heard, but because of the time I spent with Jesus, where I just felt this this sense, this re envisioning of what we're here for. And and we are not here just to um, have a therapy group, as much as that's important, and that's kind of what we're doing in Emotionally Healthy. But we are here because we want to be a light shining on a hill here in a dark place. We want to be a light shining on a hill that brings life to others. That's why we're here. Um, There's a quote from a guy called Mark Sayers. I've been reading this wonderful book called Reappearing Church. Uh, And he talks about renewal and revival. And he says this, Renewal is the refreshment, release and and advancement that individuals, groups, churches and cultures experience when they realign with God's presence. And B, it's the resumption of our God-given purpose to partner with God fully, participating in His plan to flood the world with His presence. Now, that's what I'm interested in. That's what I'm deeply interested in. I want us to be uh, walking renewals. I'm praying, and I am, that every one of us gets on fire again for Jesus in a whole new way because we're dealing with the pain of our past and the brokenness of who we are not pretending that it's not there inviting Jesus into those places but friends if you are not sitting with Jesus regularly particularly during things like the emotionally healthy course it's just it's going to be nothing but pain you're going to be looking at a whole lot of stuff and feeling stink about it and that's it but if you're actually doing the devotions like you should be and sitting with Jesus like a Christian should most days ideally in silence and solitude he's going to speak healing to you he He's gonna speak life to you. He's gonna speak about the next steps for you and you will begin to experience a deep renewal in your heart. I, the beginning of this week, I thought, "Oh, I'm going to have to be very gentle this Sunday and encourage everyone, and just be very like, you know, it's okay, little sheep, and you know, hang in there with Jesus." And, and instead, I'm like, I'm coming out all guns blazing. I'm sorry if you needed a bit of TLC this week, but I'm saying, but I'm actually calling you to the why. Why are we doing this? It's so that we can be so on fire for Jesus that the 136,000 people that are not in church today in the Bay, there's a chance that some some of them over the next 10 years, their lives could be turned upside down. Because a bunch of people weren't playing games with Jesus but allowed him to totally transform their inner world through their pain, through their disappointment, through the reality of life, all of that. That we there's a renewal that I believe that God wants to give us. But then what happens? Well, this is what we pray for for revival. When renewal occurs on a large scale, bringing significant advancement, growth, and kingdom fruit to a city, people, group, movement, regional nations, that's what revival is. Revival is renewal gone viral. And like, that's my prayer. It's like fire on my bones. I'm like, I want revival for the bay. But how's that going to happen? It's when a whole lot of us get renewed. When a whole lot of us rediscover a love for Jesus and a depth in our walk with him that starts getting contagious. Where we're, even if we're rubbish evangelists, We can't help but be a living gospel to the goodness of God. Like That is my prayer. And I'm going to give everything I've got to see that happen in this church. I'm going to do every bit of work I can. I'm going to get leadership development stuff going. The only way we're going to see revival happen in the Bay is if all of you are small group leaders. Literally every single one of you need to have people in your home that you're discipling and bringing into places of life. Otherwise, what chance do we have to reach the 136,000 people? That's our calling. That's why I want to do this thing, is I want us to be on fire for Jesus in such a way that we see revival take place. We need it in this broken and hurting place. Charlotte was at a meeting this week, an interagency meeting, because we're setting up this new Manawa Order Trust to do our social work through, and she's going to be involved in all of that. And she discovered this week that there are 500 children that are homeless in the Hawke's Bay. Homeless. I'm like, we're desperately needed friends. Friends. The the hope of the world is the local church with people that are just desperately on fire for Jesus. And so this is why we're doing Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. This is why we're doing this, is because we are gonna allow God into the deep places and we're gonna allow him to transform us from glory to glory so that we can be with him. We are fighting for a new normal in our devotional lives and the pace of our lives, which I've talked about a lot. We're gonna say, I'm under your Lordship, Jesus. And so here's the... um, The spiritual journey is always one from attachment and anxiety to freedom and love and into a growing sense of union with God. That's why we're here. Let's jump into the text because I'm getting too warmed up already. John 21 verse 15 to 18. Here's the text for today and then we're going to unpack the stages of faith, how we grow. When Jesus had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, in the context of what's happening here, uh, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. So that's a big deal. If you're wondering, like, who is Jesus? You've got to grapple with that. Did he rise from the dead? Because if he rose from the dead, man, it's a whole different ballgame in terms of paying attention to what he says. Now, Peter has seen Jesus crucified. Now he's seen him risen from the dead. And then Jesus stands before him to bring healing to him, and he holds up a fish. And he's like, do you love me more than these? He's holding up a fish at this moment. And what does the fish symbolize? The fish symbolizes his career outside of the calling that Jesus gave him. This is the safety net. This is what he could go to, which they did go back to in the short time that Jesus wasn't around. Oh, back to the boats it is, you know. And so Jesus like, do you love me more than these? And, and Peter's all in. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. The calling, care for my people, care for my people. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three times he says it. So again, in the context of the story, Jesus is bringing healing to the denial that Peter uh, went through in terms of denying Jesus three times. Three times Jesus says these words to bring healing and restoration to Peter. And Peter, it says, was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. He's, it's interesting, he's hurt. In the healing of God, Peter gets hurt. There's sometimes it's like a fresh wound that happens when God actually leads us into places of healing. In the healing, uh, he is hurt, he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed, feed my sheep then he finishes with this: "Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dress yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go." Now, there's two dynamics to um, why this is in this passage uh, in in, uh, in John's Gospel. The first is is this moment, particularly at the end, there is literally what happens to Peter. He gets led to where he doesn't want to want to go, where he is actually crucified for his faith. But uh, church tradition said that he was crucified upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified in the same way as Jesus, which is hardcore. But also, John is putting this in here because there's another level to this passage that is a very intentional in terms of John's authorship around spiritual formation. Uh, there is this movement from childhood to, as we move into adulthood, where Uh, where someone, we have to acknowledge that someone else is actually in charge of our journey and often we are led to places we do not want to go. And in fact, Henry uh, Nowam, who is an amazing author, uh, wrote in his book, In the Name of Jesus, Lead With Your Life, maturity, his definition of maturity is the ability and willingness to be led where you would rather not go. (laughs) Yay! Oh, this is so encouraging. I'm so glad I came to church uh, today there is a point where you've got to realize you're not in control. That there's someone else is leading you and that's terrifying in our self-help, take control sort of world where it's like we're trying to just take, you know, stay in control and then life comes with a king hit and you realize you are not in control, which is terrifying until you realize who is in control and that's the Lord. That Jesus is the one who is leading you, who is guiding you. We don't like the fact that we're the little lambies you know, dumb little lambs, but that's who we are in the story. And, and Jesus is the one who is the shepherd who is leading us often into places that we do not want to go. You will be led. Someone else is in charge of your journey and your spiritual formation. The question is, will you respond to his invitation? And I'm so proud of you because the vast majority of you in this season, as we explore quite deep, very deep subjects, are allowing Jesus to lead you Sometimes into places where you do not want to go. And so we get to offload the crushing burden of control and release our soul into the care of Jesus, to surrender afresh. Life is not an easy journey. But with Jesus, we can walk into true freedom, find real life, move beyond the surface, move beyond fear, move beyond anesthetizing our pain. And we can walk into places of grace and life and freedom and deep peace and above all, a deep union with God. That is the invitation of Jesus. Jesus will lead you into those places. He leads us into places uh, like that. But the fruit is always Unbelievably good. It's always life in all of its fullness. It's and I'm convicted to my core that this is the case. So today we're going to have a quick exploration of, um, of a book called The Critical Journey, and this talk has been hugely influenced by both uh, John Mark Comer, who explored this book, and Peter Scazzaro, obviously, who uh, uses this book as the framework for his chapter on the journey through the wall. Um, so this is my mesh-up of a whole lot of those influences, uh, and those guys have been an enormous help to me throughout that. On, on More FM which I listen to depressingly now because we only get two channels on our car stereo. Uh, so I listen to More FM, which is not my favourite channel, but on the way to school I listen to it and it's got The Morning Club. And Gary McCormick, McCormick's got this little um, part of the show every morning called Gary McCormick Doing the Thinking For You, where he just spouts off some absolutely ridiculous, ludicrous terrible stuff most of the time but quite funny uh, and so that you don't have to think about whatever issue he's talking about he's done the thinking for you so that's great. Um, This is once more Sam Harvey doing the reading for you uh, because I've been buried in this book and a bunch of others this week so you don't have to read them all and we're going to basically give a book summary today to let you off the hook of reading this critical book and called The Critical Journey. So this is the idea behind the book that as you mature and as Jesus leads you through life, there'll be different stages that you go through in the formation of your faith. The first stage is the recognition of God, The second, which we're going to unpack all of this. The second stage is a life of discipleship. The third stage is often a very productive life. The fourth stage is a journey inward. Within this journey inward, we hit often a thing called the wall, which is not a stage, but really an obstacle to moving forward in Jesus, which we're going to look at today. Then uh, we have this journey back outward. And then the last stage, which is this life of love. Now this is this is the fruit of 2,000 years of church history as people have looked at and th- in, in sitting with the Scriptures, how do people grow into this deep, deep union and deep, deep life with God. Most churches really, can you go back, sorry, most churches really like uh, the first couple of stages, which is uh, the recognition of God, so this is evangelism and whatnot, and the life of discipleship, and we really love the productive life, but most uh most people aren't exploring much beyond there, and tragically, many people are leaving the church because they are hitting a journey inward, they're hitting a wall, and there isn't a paradigm to understand what God is doing in this place. Very high profile people are leaving predominantly Pentecostal churches at the moment. And Marty Sampson was the most recent, and a big component of it, I believe, is because there is not a dynamic for this sort of growth. And again, you are not going to be uh, in this church, we're not going to going going to deal with shallow stuff. We're going to talk about the deep journey of formation. And this is something most of us are going to go through in terms of something of this journey. It's not linear. It's a giant squiggly mess in terms of the journey of our lives. But it is a journey and it has resonated with me in terms of my journey. And it's definitely resonated as I've reflected on 17 years of full-time ministry in terms of the journey that most people take. Okay. And not one stage is better than the other, okay? It's all important, vital stages, and we'll all be able to identify with certain dynamics in terms of where we're at, and, and we'll be a mixture of all sorts of things here. But that, but do not think for a second that you're at stage six. I don't I've only known a handful of people in my life who I would say are a stage six Christian. And I'm not talking about myself having landed there by any stretch of the imagination. I'm going on guides that can lead me into that place. Amen. Let's go through it. The recognition of God. So this is where we all begin our journey of faith. The experience of faith at this stage is the discovery and recognition of God. It is accepting the fact of the reality of God in our lives. Someone bigger than us really exists and he truly loves us. This may occur in childhood as it did for me or later in life as adults. For some people, this is a very identifiable experience, like a moment in time where everything changes. For others, there's a gradual realization with no certainty as to where or when the experience began. Either way, we simply know in our knower that God is there. Factors contributing to this experience can either be a sense of awe or a sense of need in our lives. So we get to this point where we're like, man, someone is behind it all. There's more to life. We are more than just biology. We have a soul. There's a spiritual dynamic that goes on. I've got friends who discovered God intellectually. They were like reading. And even as they dived into like hyper science world, it's like there has to be something that's behind all of this genius. Uh, other people, a very emotional moment where it's like, this moment of like, whoa, God's real and he loves me. Uh, I was talking to Bruce, who's in our um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality group, and I gave, I actually for once asked permission to tell a story, and so Bruce's, uh, and I love Bruce's testimony where Andre turns up at his door, Bruce, you know, again, oral need, so probably need in Bruce's case, just like, like there's gotta be more than where we're at in life right now, and a hunger and an openness. Andre turns up at his door, and Bruce was telling me that he just didn't think God, even knew he existed. Didn't even, you know, there was sort of and then Andre turns up, opens the Bible, and reads from Jeremiah 1: Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And that just undoes Bruce. I like just completely, and there he is yesterday. Some of you guys on our community Facebook page saw him on the you know, stand there and I knew he's standing up on that platform, sharing the good news that God knows you. If you are wondering this morning, God knows you, he formed you in the womb, he knows you. And so may you know his love this morning. He cares for you. And there's a move, particularly obviously in the Christian faith, from beyond just some higher power or whatever, to this revelation that and the sense that Jesus is who he says he is. That his claims to be God, his miraculous power, his rising from the dead, his forgiving sins. These things are true. We recognize that he is God that's come to live among us. And so we move on to stage two if we do two things, if we commit to follow Jesus and secondly join a community of other followers of Jesus, the church. Um, And all the way through this, you'll note that you never move beyond these basics. Jesus is Lord, I'm committed to fellowship with others. I, I honor Bryson and Craig and others who are in real estate where Sunday's the biggest day. And here they are in church. That is awesome. Paul and Beth, who got up at 5.30 this morning on the Kapiti Coast to drive to church this morning, that is awesome. And that is correct. Like we aren't here, I'm not on a controlling thing, but I'm like, if you want to grow, you've got to stay plugged into community. And the enemy, the first thing he's going to want to do with all of us is see us detached from community. It's awesome. And so that's how we move then to the second stage, which is a life of discipleship. And this stage is about learning and belonging. We begin to learn, explore, and absorb and put into place our set of beliefs or faith principles. In this stage, we must learn the most about God by association with others we respect and trust. We are apprentices. We need others because we are relatively unsure and insecure at first in our growth and what we believe. The group also provides a sense of belonging, which helps to alleviate some of our feelings of fear and even inadequacy that accompany the excitement of new learning." The group begins to give us a sense of identity and security. We start to feel at home with family. We are loved and accepted despite our struggles. It's not always easy, but we are with our our kind of people. We have a sense of security and comfort in our faith. So at this point, you've got to come under some leadership. You need to learn. And it's very important who that person is. And it's very interesting because I often have to sit down with people and undo some of the stuff they learned because they're under somebody who uh, was probably a bit broken. Now, there's no leader that's perfect. And if you come under my leadership in this church, there's going to be stuff that you're going to have to sort out down the track. God bless you all. It's the case with every single leader you're ever going to meet. But there are some places that are safer than others. That's the simple reality of it. And so in this place, we devour the Bible and books and podcasts, and we begin to identify our strengths. This is how I'm wired. And this isn't how everyone's wired, but this is how I'm wired. Here's the gifts I've got. And we... As we mature, we begin to take responsibility for other people. We start to take care of others. Uh, And so then we move on to the productive life. This stage is best described as the doing stage, as it is the period of time where we find ourselves most consciously working in service for God. This is good. It's now time to give in return for all that we've received. This is a very active stage of our journey. It's positive and dynamic and centered on being productive in the area of our faith. This stage nourishes us because it's so personally rewarding. It operates on goals and achievement, building and creating, which can be exciting, fulfilling, inspiring and fruitful. We start to feel unique within our communities. We are take on extra responsibility. We feel a degree of confidence because of our experience. And leadership's normally a big part of this stage. So this can be a tiring stage. All well, the parents in the room said, amen. Uh, where it's like, apart from tiredness, this is a fun stage. Um, it's, a, it's a great place to be. Um, it's like we're just involved or in the thick of it, and it feels good. Uh, and this is where most of us would like to stay for the rest of our lives. We just want to stay in productive land, doing stuff for Jesus. Most of us are not willing to move to the next stage. We have to be moved by something outside of ourselves. So most of us don't move, instead we are moved by God, the hard knocks of life. Um, We can fight this transition into a deeper life, and sometimes we can regress. I love the term backslide, because it's such a great image. Sometimes we can slide, you know, it's like, this this is a great, think about what backsliding involves literally, but anyway, sometimes we can regress, or we can be in a church and have hearts that say, I am willing to progress. I'm willing to allow God to do a deeper journey in me. And so we move to the journey inward. And this stage is deep in a very personal inward journey. It always comes as an unsettling experience, yet results in healing for those who continue through it. Until now, our journey has had a very external dimension to it. Stuff is happening on the inside, the community of faith and serving with our gifts and leading others and productivity, and upon entering this stage, many people experience a period of questioning, exploring, doubting, and even uncertainty. This can be caused by a life or faith crisis. For the first time in our life, for the first time, our faith does not seem to have to work the same as it has before, and our answers seem inadequate, leaving us feeling quite vulnerable. Some people refuse to engage fully with the stage because it's a mode of questioning. It can look like we're falling apart. It can be a place of doubting. It's a time of introspection. It's healing from the past. Some, a lot of us are actually involuntarily in the stage right now thanks to the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course and your sadistic pastor. Uh, there's a time of processing. It's healing in the past, processing in the present and receiving new hopes and dreams for the future. It can look like we're indulging in self-centeredness. Our outer world can look normal, So, or it could be falling apart, but often it's like everything can be externally looking okay, but our inner world is a real mess. There's this lack of clarity and direction. We're dealing with really deep stuff, healing from a hurt in the family, or realizing we've been living out of a sense of false self for a long time. And in this place, there's a lot of introspection. There's often a need for counseling, prayer, silence, and solitude is really important if you want to work through this. It's a time of healing from the past. And sometime during this stage, and everyone's like, oh, Lord, don't tell me there's more. There is. We uh, we hit what the writers call the wall. And the wall is this. It's a pain we can't get around. It's like the death of a loved one or a diagnosis in your own body or a divorce or a failure um, or hurt. It's something where you're like, I can't sweep that under the carpet. I can't. PR, spin this. I can't, you know, like this is, part, this is unavoidable. I have to look at the fact that this has happened. Maybe a failure of a business venture, a wounding from a church experience. You can't get around it. You can't manipulate it. Something enters our life we can't ignore. And most of us, in fact, all of us are going to go through this at some point. And this is why it's good to talk about. You may not have gone through these experiences yet, or you may have had many ones, or some of you are like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh boy, and there's a big... And the only way out is through. Like you talk to anyone that has gone through deep grief. You don't get out of your grief. It will always be with you. You work through your grief. When you deal, when something big happens and it really rocks your world, and it rocks your faith, and it rocks what you thought God was meant to be like, and all of that stuff that you have to wrestle with, the only way out is actually through it. The, there is an alternative, and that's anesthetizing our pain, with, from anything from, from as minor as binge-watching Netflix through to addictions and pornography and alcohol and whatever, but all busyness, and I'm going to keep working for God in spite of, I'm not going to look at all that stuff and just keep down. You can anesthetize it, but God wants to invite you to work through it. At the wall, it causes the journey inward. It either causes this journey inward. Or it comes as the result of the journey inward, if that makes sense. So either it's like something happens which causes you to take this inward journey of just having to deconstruct and wrestle with and all the rest of it, or in the midst of that, something happens that's like, can you get through this? Can you get through this? The wolf sucks, (laughs) it's just crap. Yeah, I'm using strong language this morning. It's just like, if you're in that place, I'm sorry. Let's just acknowledge it's crap. It's just really, really poopy time. It's horrible. I'm sorry if you're going through that stuff at the moment. It's hard. The invitation though, is that we would humbly accept that we are ready to learn about true freedom. That we want to come to a liberty to live, the authors say, listen to this, a liberty to live without grasping. Like there is a new sense that we have to let God be God and let him direct our lives. And at the same time, we surrender our wills and all that we are to him to be healed. And so we, through this, we have to accept the reality of our life. Um, Scott Peck's uh, definition of mental health is mental health is dedication to reality at all costs. Like, reality's tough. Like, who would have thought that this was the hardest journey we had to face is reality? But it is, because the wall confronts us with reality, that this is who I am. This is my body. This is my story. This is my wound. This is my failure. This is what I have done or not done. This is my marriage. This is my singleness. It causes us to confront the reality of who we are. And we move to the next step when we accept the reality of our life with increasing joy. I'm at peace with who I am, with how I'm wired, with what has happened to me, I have come to this place where I can accept the reality of my life to do. This is my body. This is my story. This is my wound. This is my failure. This is who I am. And it's the most liberating, healing, and life-giving things we could ever do with Jesus. It is, let me say it, 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 from the bottom of my heart, because I have gone through this stuff. If you allow the Lord into those places, it is the most liberating, healing, and life-giving thing we could ever do with Jesus. We let go of the control. We let go of the pretense, and we allow God to be God. So let's move forward, thank you, Jesus, to this fifth stage, the journey outwards. Here's some encouraging news. Once parts of the deep excruciating, amen, inward journey have been experienced, the natural outcome is to venture outside of one's self-centeredness and back into the active world with a new sense of fulfillment. This is the outward journey, a venture outside our self-interest to others based on the growth and peace of mind we have experienced from the inner journey. The outward venture may or may not be different from our previous direction, but our focus is different. Our focus is outward, but from a new, grounded center of ourselves. Once again, we have been changed. We have experienced a new wholeness. We are aware of our faults and have a fresh desire to be in God's will rather than our own. We know we are surrendering to a much wiser, more vital spirit. We lose control. Oh, my head died back. We lose control. We sense a looser grip on ourselves and a willingness to be conduits for God's work in our lives and others' lives. We endure suffering gracefully because our confidence is in God, living outward but with a new change in motivation. Listen to this caring less about what other people think, but caring more deeply for other people. Oh, this is what we need in the church. We need people who are journeying outward. Honestly, I have to, our team, really honestly, our team battles discouragement because we don't have enough people that are prepared to even serve our family gathering. And part of it is like, how are we going to change the bay if we can't even have enough people to make our family gathering work? We, we Like consumerism is alive and well in the church. And people just love to do whatever suits them. But it's like when the Spirit of God starts changing you, there is this great move from uh, from self-centeredness to a place where we venture outside of our self-interest to the interest of others. And it's not coming from a place of striving and like, yeah, I'm really frothed on God like stage two, which again, I'm fine with. If you're in that stage, I need another hundred of you who are just all in with Jesus and want to live that productive life, right? Man, we are, we've got to lift our game in terms of some of this stuff. But what I'm deeply, deeply interested in is people who have such a deep, deep deep, sense of peace and who know who they are and who have such a communion with God throughout the week that there's this natural outpouring of self, self-giving love because we follow the one who on the cross displayed what the ultimate and self-giving love looks like. Now, when you're going through deep water and when you're going through pain and when you're going through healing, you've heard me say this a lot. If you're going through real deep stuff, ignore me right now. Sit in the church, heal, let us minister to you, let us pray for you, just receive. But most of us get stuck in a place where we are just consumers and we live the shallow life of self-centered consumerism and we're unaware that we're that Jesus is inviting us into a journey inward, often through deep pain, through walls and all that sort of stuff, that when we allow God into, He then brings us into a place where we are once more just this great blessing and gift and we and to others and we bring hope and we bring life and we aren't just living to survive, we're living to bless and we're living to see healing come to others. And we're opening up our home to disciple other people because we're not interested in just ourselves, but we want to make disciples. We want to see people become apprentices of Jesus. And so this is what I'm looking for. But it comes from this place of calmness and centeredness and peace. These people are filled with joy. And, and at this stage, growth mostly looks like resting and accepting that our wounds are part of our story rather than the working and the fighting that often uh, as part of the earlier stages of our Christian and growth. But it comes from this deep place of of abiding and communing with him. And then the last stage is the life of love. I have not gone anywhere near the stage in my own journey. So I, again, I'm looking to other guides to help me. But my grandfather is one who lived this at the end of his life. And most of these people are going to be in their 60s, 70s and 80s. Most of these people... um, that they're around, they're that sort of age, and they lift the horizon about what is possible when you stay close to Jesus through all the different stages of life and faith development. And my grandfather has has utterly convinced me that this is not a pipe dream. This will be my reality if I stay faithful to, to God through the different stages, including the painful inward and wall journeys that we all will go through. At this stage, you reflect to God; we reflect God to others in the world more clearly and consistently. Than we ever thought possible. We let our lights shine in such a way that God has given the credit and the thanks. We are at peace with ourselves, fully conscious of being the person God has created us to be. We have little ambition for being well-known, rich, successful, noteworthy. We are like vessels into which God pours his spirit constantly overflowing. Spirit-filled, but in this quiet, unassuming way. The authors say that often there's a second naivety that happens in this space. There's a, it's like the best of childhood wonder and the wisdom of old age in one place. Like these sort of people, my grandfather was like this, childlike wonder at the roses in his garden. I remember him talking about them vividly. And he'd be like, oh, ah." Oh. just absolute child, and yet the depth and the wisdom of, of seeing so much, and this is the goal of the spiritual journey, to become love, this is the goal, not the love of our culture, which is like tolerate everyone and do what you want with your body and be nice to people, like that's the love of our, no, this is the love revealed by Jesus on the cross, this is self giving, sacrificial love. We were there to bless others. And we know that even in the pain of those cross moments, that every single bit of pain is worth it for the joy set before us in the same way it was there for the joy set before Jesus. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. Why for the joy that's set before us? And this is it's the same for you. I don't know what deep water you're going through right now. I know many of you are experiencing Calvary moments where you're looking at your pain, you're dealing with stuff in your history and it's not fun, but it's worth it. Let me just say, the enemy will say, what's the point, why am I even doing it? It's worth it for the joy set before you. You will walk into greater places of depth, greater places of intimacy with God if you allow him into those places. And when you get to this point, which God willing, would you let me get there one day? Look, God, you just ache you ache to love. You just ache to love. You look at the bay and you just ache with love. You look at that person in the supermarket, you ache with love. You have moved beyond just living in your own little world where you just ache with love for the person that's in front of you. And ultimately, the Christian journey is very simple on lots of levels. The goal of the Christian is to love the person that's in front of you. That's as simple as we can make it. That when you so allow God to transform you, you get to the point where you just, you love the person that's in front of you. You feel what God feels. You have words that are the words of God for that person. You have a grace for them, a patience for them. You can be with them through all the ups and downs because you are filled with love. This is what the invitation of God is. And this is where He, he will take us there. He's good, it's worth it, but it's not easy. It's painful at times. Often we've uh, looked, made the metaphor uh, of what the journey looks like, uh, and this is obviously the reality of what the journey looks like. It's not a linear thing; it's a giant, squiggly, ginormous mess. At times we're progressing; at times we're stagnant; at times we may regress. But I'm going to be constantly having my pom poms out, saying, "Progress, progress, come on, progress." Allow Jesus to uh, to uh, to form you. Can we go back to the uh, to the picture again? There's different things that can uh, cause us to get a bit stuck on these journeys... Uh, on the first stage, or stage one is the recognition of God. We can get stuck if we do not uh, attach to a community. Um, so that's super important and you never get beyond that. Stage two, uh, in that life of discipleship, we can get stuck in black and white thinking where as we learn from a certain person, we're like, we're right, they're wrong. And we can, and actually as you progress, and this has been the case for me, there's so much more mystery in my theological framework than there's ever been, but there's been a greater depth and love with God than I've ever had in my life. There's a greater confidence about certain things and a greater, law. Well, I don't quite know how that all works out, but I can trust in you through that. And and a real grace for me across the ecumenical board. I love hanging out with Catholics, Ethan Orthodox. I was with a bunch of Pentecostals this week. I just love the global church more and more as, as God kind of opens up my horizons to who he is and what he's about. The third uh, stage is... Um, in fact, actually, and there's the second thing here that can really hinder us from moving forward, the authors call switches or searches. And and these are so switches are people that just jump from community to community to community. And you never get planted deeply and allow yourselves to be truly known and to really know and love others. And I'm not in control of that. I can't stop people bouncing around. I was super nervous about that as we planted the church. And some of you heard me, like I sat down with some of you guys. I'm like, I do not want you leaving your church. You're not allowed to join Bay Vineyard. You're not welcome. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and then a few people said, that's not very nice. And I had to relook at the whole thing. And then my line was, God has to clearly speak to you. Because I don't want a bunch of people joining Bay Vineyard and then a couple of years later switching out. I want us to take a journey together as a committed community where we allow God to deeply shape us so that we sit with Jesus, become more like him and start to do what he did with increasing frequency in this community so that we could be a light on the hill. And the second is searches. So when we start unpacking and, and unraveling a bit, we can get to the place of so much deconstruction that there's nothing left. It's like we, boom, boom, we like boom-boom, we deconstruct the whole building of our faith and then we've just got ashes. And rubble, and we again we often disconnect from community there, I and mean, there's a whole tribe of people that are choosing to disconnect from church. And my observation is I've never seen anyone progress through the stages of faith once they have disconnected from a faith community. I've, I've seen a lot of people get bitter, cynical. I've seen a lot of marriages turn to crap, you know, absolute crud. And man, my potty mouth is um there is there's a there's a need for the healing of religious rooms of processing the past but do not disconnect from community stage 3 the productive life we can be run by ambition rather than obedience we can put our desires in the place of god and call that god's will call that god's will so we can kind of dress up our hiding from our brokenness by you know all of that. Stage four, we can get, the danger there is we can get so into um, a level of introspection and navel gazing we can get stuck and we can't move forward. So we're gonna we aren't gonna be doing emotionally healthy spirituality for ten years. We're gonna be doing it for eight weeks and then we're gonna move forward and some some other things uh, and then there'll be another season where I'm sure the Lord will take us through some journey inward. Um, and from stage five onwards, you don't really get stuck. <laughs> you know, there's, just such a, there's such a thing that God's done deep in your heart that it's very difficult to get stuck there. And so the question is, are you stuck anywhere? Uh, and what would it look like to get unstuck? We can all think of people in the 60s, 70s and 80s who are nowhere near living a life of love. Narcissistic, self-centered, self-absorbed, unhappy, grouchy, discontent and ungrateful. I've met a few of them. And a few of my family, uh, but listen, none of us mature without aging, but many of us can age without maturing. And this is what I long for us: is that we'll be people, particularly that move past that stage three, from a sh- because everything in our culture, we live in a shallow, superficial culture. Everything in our culture wants to keep us in that place. Jesus is always inviting us into places that are deeper. And at every stage, and this is going to be the the altar call this morning. At every single stage, it's an invitation to once more surrender ourselves to God. You don't just surrender yourselves once to God. Who's discovered that? It's not just the initial. Now, I, I, I pray that people today will cross the line on stage one. Like, there is a God. He loves me. I want to follow him. I surrender my life to him. That would just fill me with joy. That's why we're here. But at every single stage, once more, I surrender. I'm I'm yours. Even though I don't understand why you let that happen to me, I surrender to you. Even though I don't want to look at that, I surrender to you. Even though it's hurting like hell, I surrender to you. Even though this is brutal, I surrender to you. I relinquish control. I am yours. I yield to you. We don't get out of our pain. We move through our pain. And when we do, though, we come out radically healed. It's like the refiner's fire burning down to the precious metals that last forever. It's this peace about what is. It's this radical acceptance. It's a joy in life and a love and compassion that is deep. It's a soul that burns with love for God. It's a person who is leading others to life. Because they've picked up their cross and died, and paradoxically, in that dying, they've walked into new life that is more beautiful than the one before. That is the people that I'm longing us to be. That is the leader I want to be. And honestly, guys, it's the stakes are high. I finished with this. Um, I came back from um, from my little trip this week and uh, back into family life. And yesterday, um, you know, I'm lighting the fire. Uh, and, and what happened is our little fire had gone out. So we just had some embers there, and so I'm like, I stuck the most ginormous log I could on those little embers, and I'm like, all right, you know. And then I was like, that's stupid, but I'm gonna, you know, get in there and start puffing and blowing and whatnot, and I'll try and get this fire going. And then I got stubborn because it was like it was turning into a big mission. And poor Jen's once more a solo mum, and she's upstairs having to deal with the kids and whatever was happening last night. And and I'm this like. And actually, I, I didn't tell you this. i got tingling lips, you know, when you're like, and I was determined to get that blinking thing going again because I was like, and as I'm doing this, I, I, um, I felt this prophetic word where it's like, Sam, keep blowing on the embers. Keep blowing on the embers. Keep blowing on the embers because there's going to be a new fire that is birthed. And that's what I, I just, yesterday I was like, you know what, that is it. I'm all in again. We sacrificed everything to get this church going. Like our life savings we put into it. It has not been easy. And it's like, but I'm all yours again, God. I speak for the Buxtons, I speak for the Domingos. we're all in again, and we're gonna keep blowing on the embers of our hearts until we get on fire again for God, because I really am convinced that the church is the hope of the world, that actually we can lead people into life that our culture's desperate to discover, but it's requiring people who have gone to those deep places with God, who are sitting with Him in intimacy every day, who the pace of their life reflects the rest of Jesus, not the stress of our world. That is what we're looking for, friends. And I tell you what, I've got a fresh fire in my bones, as you can hear, where I'm gonna keep blowing on the embers. Even if my lips get tingling, I'm gonna keep blowing on the embers, friends. And some of you are gonna rise up and some of you are gonna step up and you're gonna become the leaders that our church and the society desperately needs. You're not gonna live in isolation anymore, but you're gonna open up your home to love other people. That's what we're gonna need to do if we wanna see this world change. You're gonna start going, I'm not just gonna float around the fringes of church. I'm gonna get on a roster, Honestly, that's just base level stuff. If you can't get on a roster, don't think we're going to change society because this family operates by servant-hearted legends that say I'm here to be a blessing. Um, Give me a towel because that's what Jesus picked up and I'm prepared to pick up my towel and wash the feet of the disciples around me. Well, this is what I long to see. And this is the stages of faith. And ultimately, if we stay faithful to God, He's going to lead us to a place where we lead a life of love. A life of love through the pain, through the disappointments, through all the stuff that life's going to throw at us. We still stayed faithful to Him. And He shaped something in us that was more beautiful than anything else in the world. We discovered the treasure in the field and we sold everything because we found it. And we found it and we experienced it in our soul in our inner being. But it requires at every step of the way a fresh surrender to Jesus. And that's what I want to call you today. I know this is bold, but I'm, I'm blowing on the embers, friends. I'm blowing on the embers. I'm calling you afresh this morning to surrender your life to Jesus. At whatever stage you're in, to surrender your life to Jesus and to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I come under, I relinquish control and I allow you into that space. Lead me and guide me. And so how I want to do that is I want us to, I'm going to play this little old song called I Surrender All. And it's going to get played on that little sound system. And and we aren't going to pray for anyone today, because this is between you and Jesus. But I want to invite you to come up. If your knees are good, you can kneel. If your back or your knees or whatever are not good and that would kill you, then you can come and sit in these front rows here and we can just find a space. But I want us in a second to stand, to move forward as that sign once more of the song, I surrender. Whatever it is that you're wrestling with and and the questions you may have that you come to that place of surrender.